Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today. Friday, I talked about Kyrie Irving requesting a trade. When's it going to happen? I thought it would happen sooner rather than later. Uh, absolutely shocking trade yesterday. Him going to uh, the Mavs. Uh, I was shocked. I was displeased. I'm going to get into that deal. Then I'm also going to talk about LeBron just voiced that he was disappointed. Where does this leave the Lakers? Will KD stay? Should he leave now? And then I'm going to talk about Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. So it's going to be a great show. Let's get started with the big news. Kyrie Irving is now a Dallas Maverick. Well, how did that come to be? How was he a Dallas Maverick when I was hoping he would be a Los Angeles Laker? A lot of people thought that he was going to be uh, a Laker as well, when in fact he is not going to be a Laker. So very interesting that, you know, I'm just going to talk about first about who wins this deal. So from the Nets, it's Kyrie got traded, you know, alongside Markeith Morris to the Mavs for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a 2029 first-round pick in the 2027-2029 second-round pick. So initially, it looks like the Mavs win this deal. However, when you take, you know, a broad stroke at this thing, uh, you know, look at it really down the line, I do think the Nets are are actually going to like this deal. And it's smart for a couple of reasons. One of them, uh, one of the pluses for the Nets is they got Kyrie in free agency. It's not like they had to pull off a massive trade to got, get him. So they're actually getting compensation for a player they didn't have to give up compensation for. Another big thing was just the issues that I think really bogged down the Nets uh, all the way from some of his injuries to just unexcused absences to the vaccine to the anti-Semitic Twitter post link, so which caused the suspension. So there's a lot of baggage there with the Nets. You know, from what was being reported, he wasn't going to resign after this year, uh, no matter what. He was just he was just done with the Nets. So it's smart to at least get some compensation for him. So the Nets give him up, and the man, and they get Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Those are two solid players. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is averaging 18 points, five assists right now. That's actually really good, and he's familiar uh, with the management in Brooklyn uh, being there four or five years. Uh, where he had his career high in points, you know, with 21, seven assists. And, you know, that was 20, 20, 21 points, seven assists. Uh, that's pretty good. He's, you know, a great scorer of a basketball. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, who's averaging uh, 9.5 rebounds, is a very good two-way wing. Uh, those don't grow on trees, so I think that's a good bench pickup for the Nets as well. And I think the biggest reason I don't like this deal for the Mavs is the Mavs could have re-signed Jalen Brunson 
this past year at a cheaper price than which they could have got Kyrie Irving and Kent Finney-Smith and Dinwiddie had that core intact that they just got to the conference finals with. Now you lost Jalen Brunson, more ball dominant now with Luka, not, not as explosive, not as good with Luka out. Now you make the trade and you get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, who were another two key contributors. So I think it is at a lot here. I think the two can work. I am nervous for the Mavs about the ball dominant of Luka in giving up now some of that depth uh, behind Kyrie. Yes, you've got uh, Reggie Bullock. You've got Tim Hardaway. uh, But the guards, I'm really worried about behind Luka and Kyrie. So, and again, with them being two ball dominant players, who else is going to touch the ball, get meaningful minutes? They're also not a strong team on the glass either. That was very evident in the uh, series against the Warriors last year. So I think you look at the Mavs, that, hey, we just got Kyrie, but I don't think this is going to work in the short time that they have. And if if it doesn't work, Kyrie doesn't want to sign there because he is a rental player technically. Uh, this could get very ugly for the Mavs. So will Kyrie resign with the Mavs? I don't know. I think this is a huge risk that Mark Cuban and the Mavs have taken on Kyrie. Kyrie's preferred team was the Los Angeles Lakers. Didn't get down here to the Mavs. He'll probably be excited to play with Luka. Luka will be excited to play with him. But I'm, you know, I'm not nervous about the fit basketball-wise. I'm more nervous about the fit personality-wise. Uh, and all that because Kyrie comes, Kyrie comes with a lot of baggage. But I think in the long run, uh, this will be a, this will be a smart deal for the Brooklyn Nets. But the big takeaway also from this trade was Joe Sy wouldn't trade Kyrie to the Lakers. Uh, he said that you know his main objective was to not send Kyrie to LA. So. The Lakers uh, were, were the, the Lakers did offer a trade. It was Russell Westbrook in the 2027-2029 first-round picks for Kyrie Irving. Uh, the Nets also wanted them to add Austin Reeves, Max Christie to that trade. If I was the Lakers, I would have done that considering Max Christie. Who knows what kind of player? He's going to be, if he's even going to be a star, uh, if he's not a star in the next, you know, three or four years, this looks dumb. And Austin Reeves, I think he's great, a great kid, but I don't think he's, he's not a star. He's not going to be a star in this league. Uh, so, you know, Kyrie matches the production. It, and it really exceeds the production of those three players. I don't know why the Lakers didn't do that trade, but if Joe Sy's main objective was to not give Kyrie to the Lakers, then who knows if anything would have been satisfactory for the Nets from that trade. But there are a couple other teams also made to try to make a deal. The Suns made an official offer for uh, Kyrie Irving. It was Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, 
and on in picks that you know were not disclosed, so it could have been a first round, uh, maybe some seconds. Who knows? In exchange for Kyrie Irving, uh, I thought that was a decent trade, considering yes, Chris Paul has declined this year, but hey, would he work with KD? Uh, he's only got you know a year left on his contract after this year. Uh, Jay Crowder could have been a valuable piece to a veteran leader. So I think that was a legitimate trade uh, they should have looked at depending on the draft picks that were involved. And then I thought the Clippers as well had a decent one. The Clippers offered Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, a first-round pick, two first-round pick swaps, and two first-round pick swaps for Kyrie Irving. So basically the swaps will work to the Nets' favor because they'll take the higher draft pick in three of those years. So I thought that was a you know very good, aggressive trade for the Clippers to make. I think they took the worst deal uh, out of a bunch. Maybe the Mavs would have tied with the Lakers, but uh, Joe Sides, of course, didn't want to send the Lakers. Those other deals, to me, were more tempting than the Mavericks deal. Uh, so we'll see how this fit will work for the both of them in the coming months. But LeBron has voiced his dis- disappointment. He uh, took to Twitter and said, tweeted, maybe it's me. He spoke with Michael Wilbon earlier today and said he was disappointed in Kyrie coming to the Lakers considering the chemistry he had and in his mind, you know, where they could have taken this team. But he said the focus is going to have to shift to finishing the season strong. So where does this leave the Los Angeles Lakers? Right now they are a sub-500 team in 13th place at 25 and 29. LeBron's immediate goal is to break the scoring record, and that's either going to be done against the Thunder or at the very latest against the Bucks Thursday night. So that's their biggest thing there. And then, after that, I don't see them making any trades. Uh, you know, I think their most aggressive one was going to be that Kyrie deal. So, uh, I, I just don't know about, you know, anything big. I think this was their one big swing. So, you know, now starting to finish the season strong. You know, LeBron hoping to earn a playoff spot. Uh, I can see them making the play, and again, the race is very tight there. Uh, You know, especially the, excuse me, the third through 13 seed where, you know, five, within like five games separates them all, and even with Memphis really struggling, you know, they're kind of all within a range. But the Lakers needed a bona fide shooter like Kyrie Irving. Uh, they got LeBron. AD's along as well, playing well. But outside of that, it's been hit or miss. Russell Westbrook has been great in his six-man-of-the-year role, but he's not a great shooter. He's not consistent. He just can't do it. Lonnie Walker gives them good minutes. So does Thomas Bryant and a Schroeder. Uh, but then, you know, outside of Austin Reeves is where it really starts to drop. So are the Lakers going to... Win the championship this year, make a playoff run. I don't think so. I think, you know, considering 
what the disaster that was last year missing a play-in. I think making a play-in would be nice, maybe getting to the brink of, you know, the second play-in game to vie in for the playoffs, I think would be nice. But I think asking them to win a playoff series with this team, that's asking a lot considering they'd be going up against the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, who the Clippers have just owned them. I don't think uh, the Lakers really have a chance to do anything special this year. LeBron obviously having a special season, but I think the Lakers' long-term goals, their year-end goals are just short again. So that's where it leaves the Lakers. What about Kevin Durant? Right now, the, the Nets just look like a look like a bad team uh, with Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant wasn't there, right now not a lot of talk around the Nets, considering he hasn't played in over a month. Claxton's been much improved from last year. Steph Curry can shoot. Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously Dorian Finney-Smith come in. But outside of that, Ben Simmons, massive disappointment who has, who has a knee injury. It looks like, looks like the team has sort of given up on him now. Uh, but they don't have the star power, and that's due to compete with the, uh, I believe, the other teams in the East, with the Celtics, the Grizzlies, my bad, the Celtics, uh, the Bucks, the 76ers, to me, even the Cavs or the Heat, uh, considering the Brooklyn Nets climbed all the way out from around the play-in, around the 10th spot, all the way to the second, now the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I don't know if you know, Kevin Durant will request a trade. They, you know, he might do, he might look to see what they do within the next couple of uh, days during the trade deadline, see if they'll do anything to, you know, make the team better. Uh, but to me, it's looking like, hey, Kevin Durant uh, will be traded. Bob, I don't think before the trade deadline. But I think uh, I think after the you know after the season ends, uh, Kevin Durant you know will be uh, will be gone. So if he does get traded before then, who knows if you know Joe knowing how Joe Side does business would not give the Kyrie to the Lakers Kevin Durant's number one spot to go, and he requested his trade last year of his past off season. It was to the Suns. Who knows if uh, if the Suns if they trade into the Suns or not, or if they trade into some team like the Raptors to really you know to really screw them. Uh, and who knows again the Suns thing's very very weird because you know it looks like you know Jay Crowder's going to have to get traded already setting out for the season. Uh, I think Chris Paul would have to be part of that trade too. Uh, maybe DeAndre Aiden. However, a note with that is in his first year of his new deal that he signed, he does have veto rights. So if he doesn't want to be part of that trade, he can veto and screw the sun. So, you know, it's tough. Again, if I think Durant wants to go to the Suns, I think Phoenix would take a risk. But I do think it would require more than those three players. I do think it would require Mikhail Bridges and multiple first-round picks, also considering 
Kevin Durant's not a rental player. He is under contract for the next three years. So that's also uh, a big cause here with Katie. But I don't think the Nets can do enough in the next four days to really sell Kevin Durant. Uh, I think Kevin Durant's basically gone at this point as well. I think it's time for the Nets to hit a hard reset, uh, really evaluate the future. Next up, let's move to some NFL. It's been reported that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are possibly hundreds of millions of dollars off in guaranteed money, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who's a very respected reporter. This, to me, was very, very shocking because it seemed like, you know, near the end of the season uh, where the Lamar Jackson trade talks or I should say rumors were heating up. John Harbaugh was doing his best to decool him, and it looked like, hey, maybe they'll find an agreement. But to me, it's looking like they're not going to be able to get a deal done. They'll probably get franchise tagged, and then a trade request will probably be being worked. But to me, the biggest thing off is hundreds of millions of dollars off in guaranteed money. So knowing the guaranteed contracts, uh, Kyler Murray around 160, uh, Russell Wilson high as well around there. And of course the Albatross being, uh, Deshaun Watson, the $230 million guaranteed contract. I really do think Lamar views himself as more valuable than Deshaun Watson. I think everybody in the NFL views him as more valuable than Deshaun Watson, which is right. But Browns doing that deal really screws up a lot of things for contract talks. For the NFL, to me, it was like Christian Kirk in the wide receiver market last year. Uh, Deshaun Watson now in the quarterback market, what they've done. So I'm just going to base it off Lamar money, Lamar Jackson wanting more money than Deshaun Watson. It's $230 million guaranteed. So that would put him at around, two hundred, let's say, $250 million guaranteed. So let's say the Kyler Murray's around 170 million. Let's say they lowball him and it's 150 million bill offering guaranteed and he wants 250 million guaranteed. Well, there you have your 100 million dollars off in contract negotiations for guaranteed money. Which to me is just crazy uh because now it makes it very likely that Lamar Jackson will not be a member of the Baltimore Ravens anymore. When you're that far off in contract negotiations, uh, almost into the offseason, who knows what will happen. You know, Lamar Jackson uh, was going to talk contract with them some more, but... You know, you can't really attract free agents uh, to your team, especially when you don't know who the quarterback is going to be if Lamar will be out. Uh, but I do think I do think Lamar Jackson's time in Baltimore is over. I do think he will be traded this offseason unless some crazy development happens to where they get close on that $100 million. And they get him. 
but again, teams I'd want to see Lamar go to. I do think the Ravens would pull a similar situation to other star quarterbacks and trade him out of conference to not see him. And again, the teams that really catch my attention are teams in the NFC South. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, don't have a ton of money. Uh, they need a quarterback, obviously. Uh, but I think the two other big ones here would be Carolina, I think would be a great fit for Lamar Jackson, and also the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, it's, you know, it's a rebuilding team, but they were 7-10 and 10 last year. They were competitive. Uh, Drake London, I think, can turn into star. Kyle Pitts will be back from injury. Uh, Cordero Patterson, good running back. Uh, strengthen up the defense in the draft. Get him another wide receiver as well. I do think the Atlanta Falcons would, with Lamar Jackson, you know, could propel them to the top of the NFC South. And if you're a quarterback getting traded, to me, the NFC South is a desirable destination because of the location, the weather, and because the division is so bad that if you're a one-star quarterback alone in that division, you can very much well win that division and get a guaranteed home playoff game. So, uh, I do think the NFC South is a desirable quarterback destination for quarterbacks like Derek Carr and Lamar Jackson uh, this year for trades. Then another quarterback news from NFL. Aaron Rodgers just won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am uh, yesterday. Congratulations to him. But... There was a lot of chatter this weekend as well with the fans wanting, you know, telling, you know, Devontae Adams, you know, wants you back in Las Vegas. And, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers said something to me that was funny. He said to buy him a house. So two things popped into my mind uh, when that happened because – to me, the trade for Aaron Rodgers definitely feels more possible than it did last year. Uh, but the buy me a house comment, you know, was uh, was funny because he is building this nice, great house in Tennessee. So I do think he wants to live in Tennessee. So to me, the Titans are still a viable option that no one is talking about. Again, I would not be surprised if he got traded to the Titans. Yes, it's not the most desirable destination in terms of the weapons around you, but I think with the great head coach that you have, the strong running game, good rush defense, there are factors there that work for you. Uh, you know, your cap hit obviously would exceed Ryan Tannehill's, but it wouldn't be, you wouldn't eat a huge chunk of that uh, with new money. So I'd be fine with that. But to me, I think the Raiders... You know, if Aaron Rodgers wants to really win something, do something special, it'd be with the Raiders. Uh, you know, it would be with Devontae Adams, who he has a chemistry with. It'd be one of his best weapon groups ever uh, with Devontae, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs in the backfield, a, a decent offensive line. Uh, that'd be great. And he'd really... I think have a chance in that division to prove he's like the second, third greatest quarterback of all time. To me right now, it's it's Tom Brady, Joe Montana, uh, 
um, fluid on the Joe Montana one, especially with what Patrick Mahomes has been doing, uh, especially just the admiration I have for John Elway. But if Aaron Rodgers were to go to the Raiders in a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, John Payton now, and if he were to win a Super Bowl, his second, you know, close to Tom Brady, uh, in age there, year 30, or age 39, uh, that would be mightily impressive, especially considering he'd have to get through his own division, but then you also have Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. So that, to me, would be one of the most impressive, uh, I think, you know, playoff runs possibly. If it were, you know, Devontae's recruiting him, telling him he's here. So we'll see if it happens. I would love to see him be a Las Vegas Raider, uh, but I do think a trade is uh, is imminent. I do believe that, uh, you know, I was a little skeptical at the beginning of the year. I said, he's just going to stay the, you know, the Packers want him and, you know, but it, it doesn't look like that. Doesn't doesn't look like that. And I'm just going to stay on the topic of Aaron Rodgers, something that was brought up. Watching the Bullies of Baltimore 30 for 30 ESPN doc was terrific, uh, that defense. Uh, but there was one part of it. I just said, why do you got to go there? And that was regards to Trent Dilfer. Now, Trent Dilfer was not was the quarterback of that Ravens team where, you know, the 2000 Ravens defense Great, 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 great defense. Uh, but Trent Dilfer had some things to say uh, about Tom Brady, saying he's not impressed with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. He said, and I quote, it's super easy when you don't get hit as a quarterback and when you can't reroute receivers and when you can't hit guys across the middle. I love Tom Brady. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love these guys. It's not an impressive end. Of quote, uh, and to me, uh, really is sort of humorous. So, uh, you know, he was the quarterback for that team. Uh, he was seven and one that year. He only started eight games, appeared in eleven, but that was around two thousand. Rules really didn't change to around the 2010, so a lot of Brady's rings, at least early in his career, his first three, uh, I've got to say those were impressive considering uh, Tom Brady, Trent Green were the only 4,000-yard passers. Uh, You know, of course, with Peyton Manning as well. So you kind of had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning in those early days where Tom Brady was getting hit. It was impressive. And I don't want to hear anything about Trent Dilfer. He's one of the worst starting Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. If he would, did not get led, uh, you know, assisted along the way by that 2000 Ravens defense, we would have viewed him as a bust. He was the first round pick. He was the first round pick. He was the sixth overall pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1994. And he was terrible. Outside of one year in a stint with Tampa, he was bad. Uh, didn't start his first year. Second year started seven and nine. Third year, six and ten. Then one Pro Bowl, which was 1997. He was ten and six. So he's had one Pro Bowl, one Super Bowl championship. Of course, that was with his one year stint in Baltimore. 
And then after that, guess what? He never played a full season again. Even in Baltimore, he didn't really play a a full season there. So I'm not impressed with Trent Dilfer's career. His career was not good, was not impressive. The most touchdowns he ever threw for was 21. And the most interceptions he ever threw for was 19. Uh, he threw more interceptions in his career, 129 than touchdowns, 113. So I don't want to hear about careers like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers not being impressive, who were multiple MVPs, Pro Bowlers, uh, won the Super Bowl, uh, were respected Super Bowl MVPs, and want to be greatest of their generation. Yes, respect to the 2000 Ravens defense. The game was played a different way, but it is about adjustments. And Tom Brady was great for three decades. He was great 2000, 2010s, and he was great in the 2020. So Trent Dilfer, I don't want to hear anything about not being impressive because your career is the most unimpressive of careers I have ever seen. You have no room to talk. Please don't talk ever again. You were the worst part of that 30 for 30 episode. Uh, you, we were there to hear Ray Lewis and Shannon Sharp and Goose. But Trent Dilfer, you were the backseat of that win. You were the backseat of the reunion. So how would you take a backseat and don't talk about things you don't know about? Uh, when I want to hear people talk about greatness and how things are done, I want to hear about people who are great and who've done it before. Like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Trent Dilfer, you are not great. Fine. Leave the greats alone. Go do your thing. That's what I got. Unbothered, maybe a little bothered by uh, Trent Dilfer's comments. I'll give you that. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.